Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive an excellent daily email that contains both the daily text reading as well as the lesson. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing a reading of Chapter 9, The Correction of Error, with Section 7, Grandeur versus Grandiosity. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 108, To Give and Receive, Our One in Truth. And by way of opening this morning, I'd love to share a poem. Well, actually, it's a little story uh, that's really precious to me. It's called The Wise Woman's Stone. Perhaps you've heard of it. And it goes like this. A wise woman who was traveling in the mountains found a precious stone in a stream. The next day, she met another traveler who was hungry. And the wise woman opened her bag to share her food. The hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him. She did so without hesitation. The traveler left rejoicing in his good fortune. He knew what the stone was worth and it would be enough to give him security for a lifetime. But a few days later, he came back to return the stone to the wise woman. I've been thinking, he said. I know how valuable the stone is, but I give it back in the hope that you can give me something even more precious. Give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me this stone. Giving and receiving are one in truth. How about that? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Great, Lori. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. You're welcome, guys. I was really happy to come up on that this morning. When I did, I knew it was just perfect. So, thanks. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list today. We have Fran, Karen, Harrison, Robin Marie, Lemoyne, and Jessica. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. This is Donna, and yes, I could read. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Donna. Anyone else? Um, am okay. I muted? <laughs> oh, you were, but now you're back. Hi, Judy. I'll be listening. Thank you, Laura. Okay. All righty, then. So we take up again in Chapter 9, The Correction of Error with Section 7, Grandeur versus Grandiosity. Getting at Paragraph 48. 
grandeur is of God and only of him. Therefore, it is in you. Whenever you become aware of it, however dimly, you abandon the ego automatically because in the presence of the grandeur of God, the meaninglessness of the ego becomes perfectly apparent. Though it does not understand this, the ego believes that its so-called enemy is struck and attempts to offer gifts to induce you to return to its so-called protection. Self-inflation is the only offering it can make. The grandiosity of the ego is its alternative to the grandeur of God. Which will you choose? Friends. Section 7, Grandeur versus Grandiosity, Paragraph 48. Grandeur is of God and only of Him. Therefore, it is in you. Whenever you become aware of it, however dimly, you abandon the ego automatically because in the presence of the grandeur of God, the meaninglessness of the ego becomes perfectly apparent. Though it does not understand this, the ego believes that its quote-unquote enemy has struck and attempts to offer gifts to induce you to return to its quote-unquote protection. Self-inflation is the only offering it can make. The grandiosity of the ego is its alternative to the grandeur of God. Which will you choose? 49. Grandiosity is always a cover for despair. It is without hope because it is not real. It is an attempt to counteract your littleness based on the belief that the littleness is real. Without this belief, grandiosity is meaningless and you could not possibly want it. The essence of grandiosity is competitiveness because it always involves attack. It is a delusional attempt to outdo but not to undo. We said before that the ego vacillates between suspiciousness and viciousness. It remains suspicious as long as you despair of yourself. It shifts to viciousness whenever you will not tolerate self-abasement and seek relief. Then it offers you the illusion of attack as a solution. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 49. Grandiosity is always a cover for despair. It is without hope because it is not real. It is an attempt to counteract your littleness based on the belief that littleness is real. Without this belief, grandiosity is meaningless and you could not possibly want it. The essence of grandiosity is competitiveness because it always involves attack. It is a delusional attempt to outdo, but not to undo. We said before that the ego vacillates between suspiciousness and viciousness. It remains suspicious as long as you despair of yourself. It shifts to viciousness whenever you will not tolerate self-abasement and seek relief. Then it offers you the illusion of attack 
as a solution. 50. The ego does not know the difference between grandeur and grandiosity because it does not know the difference between miracle impulses and ego alien beliefs of its own. We once said that the ego is aware of threat, but does not make distinctions between two entirely different kinds of threat to its existence. Its own profound sense of vulnerability renders it incapable of judgment, except in terms of attack. When it experiences threat, its only decision is whether to attack now or to withdraw to attack later. If you accept its offer of grandiosity, it will attack immediately. If you do not, it will wait. Thank you, Karen. And Harrison. The ego does not know the difference between grandeur and grandiosity because it does not know the difference between miracle impulses and ego alien beliefs of its own. We once said that the ego is aware of threat, but does not make distinctions between two entirely different kinds of threats to its existence. Its own profound sense of vulnerability renders it incapable of judgment, except in terms of attack. When it experiences threat, its only decision is whether to attack now or to withdraw to attack later. If you accept this offer of grandiosity, it will attack immediately. If you do not, it will wait. 51. The ego is immobilized in the presence of God's grandeur because his, capital H, grandeur establishes your freedom. Even the faintest hint of your reality Literally, excuse me, even the faintest hint of your reality literally drives the ego from your mind because of complete lack of investment in it. Grandeur is totally without illusion. And because it is real, it is compellingly convincing. Yet the conviction of reality will not remain with you unless 
you do not allow the ego to attack it. The ego will make every effort to recover and mobilize its energies against your release. It will tell you that you are insane and argue that grandeur cannot be a real part of you because of the littleness in which it believes. Fifty-one. Sorry, the ego failure. <laughs> Thank you. Aloha. <laughs> Fifty-one. The ego is immobilized in the presence of God's grandeur, because His grandeur establishes your freedom. Even the faintest hint of your reality literally detri- de- literally drives the ego from your mind because of complete lack of investment in it. Grandeur is totally without illusions, and because it is real, it is compellingly convincing. If the conviction, yet the conviction of reality will not remain with you unless you do not allow the ego to attack it, the ego will make every effort to recover and mobilize its energies Against your release, it will tell you that you are insane and argue that grandeur cannot be a real part of you because of the littleness in which it believes. 52. Yet your grandeur is not delusional because you did not make it. You have made grandiosity and are afraid of it because it is a form of attack. But your grandeur is of God, who created it out of his love. From your grandeur, you can only bless, because your grandeur is your abundance. By blessing, you hold it in your mind, protecting it from illusions, and keeping yourself in the mind of God. Remember always that you cannot be anywhere except in the mind of God. When you forget this, you will despair and you will attack. Thank you, Robin Marie and Lemoyne. Thank you, Mari. Yet your grandeur, yet your grandeur is not delusional because you did not make it. You have made grandiosity and are afraid of it because it is a form of attack. But your grandeur is of God who created it out of his love. From your grandeur, you can only bless because your grandeur is your abundance. By blessing, you hold it in your mind. By blessing... You hold it in your mind, protecting it from illusions and keeping yourself in the mind of God. 
Remember always that you cannot be anywhere except in the mind of God. When you forget this, you will despair and you will attack. The ego depends solely on your willingness to tolerate. If you are willing to look upon your grandeur, you cannot despair and therefore you cannot want the ego. Your grandeur is God's answer to the ego because it is true. Littleness and grandeur cannot coexist, nor is it possible for them to alternate in your awareness. Littleness and grandiosity can and must alternate in your awareness since both are untrue and are therefore on the same level. Being the level of shift, it is experienced as shifting, and extremes are its extension. Both are untrue. Littleness and grandiosity are both untrue and are therefore on the same level. Being the level of shift, it's experienced as shifting, and extremes are its essential characteristic. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Jessica. <clears throat> Thanks, Lori. 53. The ego depends solely on your willingness to tolerate it. If you're willing to look upon your grandeur, you cannot despair, and therefore you cannot want the ego. Your grandeur is God's answer to the ego because it is true. Littleness and grandeur cannot coexist, nor is it possible for them to alternate in your awareness. Littleness and grandiosity can and must alternate in your awareness since both are untrue and are therefore on the same level. Being the level of shift, it is experienced as shifting and extremes are its essential characteristic. 54. Truth and littleness are denials of each other because grandeur is truth. Truth does not vacillate, it is always true. When grandeur slips away from you, you have replaced it with something you have made. Perhaps it is the belief in littleness. Perhaps it is the belief in grandiosity. Yet it must be insane because it is not true. Your grandeur will never deceive you, but your illusions always will. Illusions are deceptions. You cannot triumph, but you are exalted. And in your exalted state, you seek others like you and rejoice with them. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna.
Donna, are you on mute? Yes, I am. Thank you. <clears throat> 54. Sorry. <laughs> 54. Truth and littleness are denials of each other because grandeur is truth. Truth does not vacillate. It is always true. When grandeur slips away from you, you replace when grandeur slips away from you, you replaced it with something you have made. Perhaps it is the belief in littleness. Perhaps it is the belief in grand, grandiosity. Yet it must be insane because it is not true. Your grandeur will never deceive you, but your illusions always will. Illusions are deceptions. You cannot triumph, but you are exalted. And in your exalted state, you seek others like you and rejoice with them. 55. It is easy to distinguish grandeur from grandiosity because love is returned, but pride is not. Pride will not produce miracles and therefore deprive you of your true witness to your reality. Truth is not obscure nor hidden, but it's truth is not obscure or hidden but it's obvious to you lies in the joy you bring to its witnesses who show it to you they attest to your grandeur but they cannot attest to pride because pride is not shared god wants you to hold what he created because it is his joy Thank you, Donna. And is there a new reader? And for 55 and 56? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. 55. It is easy to to distinguish grandeur from grandiosity because love is returned, but pride is not. Pride will not produce miracles and therefore will deprive you of your true witnesses to your reality. Truth is not obscure, not hidden, but its obviousness to you lies in the joy you bring to its witnesses who show it to you. They attest to your grandeur, but they cannot attest to to pride because pride is not shared. God wants you to behold what he created because it is his joy. 56. Can your grandeur be arrogant when God himself witnesses to it? And what can be real that has no witnesses? What good can come of it? And if no good can come of it, the Holy Spirit cannot use it. What he cannot transform to the will of God does not exist at all. Grandiosity is delusional because it is used to replace your grandeur. Yet what God has created cannot be replaced. God is incomplete without you and because his grandeur is total, you cannot be missing from it. 
Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 56 and 57? Ooh, we're getting to my favorite parts. I can do it, Lori. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. <laughs> oh, can your grandeur be arrogant when God himself witnesses to it? And what can be real that he has no witnesses? What good can come of it? And if no good can come of it, the Holy Spirit cannot use it. What he cannot transform to the will of God does not exist at all. Grandiosity is delusional because it is used to replace your grandeur. Yet what God has created cannot be replaced. God is incomplete without you because his grandeur is total and you cannot be missing from it. You, oh, This is so great. I love this paragraph. You are altogether irreplaceable in the mind of God. No one else can fill your part in it, and while you leave your part of it empty, your eternal place merely waits for your return. God, through his voice, reminds you of it, and God himself keeps your extensions safe within it, yet you do not know them until you return to them. You cannot replace the kingdom, and you cannot replace yourself. God, who knows your value, would not have it so, and so it is not so. Your value is in God's mind, and therefore not in yours alone. To accept yourself as God created you cannot be arrogance, because it is the denial of arrogance. To accept your littleness is arrogant because it means that you believe your evaluation of yourself is truer than God's. I just love this paragraph. It reduces me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Is there a new reader that would enjoy doing 57 and 58? New reader for 57 and 58? Okay, back to you, friend. 57. You are altogether irreplaceable in the mind of God. No one else can fill your part of it. And while you leave your part of it empty, your eternal place merely waits for your return. God, through his voice, reminds you of it, and God himself keeps your extensions safe within it. Yet you do not know them until you return to them. You cannot replace the kingdom, and you cannot replace yourself. God, who knows your value, would not have it so, and so it is not so. Your value is in God's mind, and therefore not in yours alone. To accept yourself as God created you cannot be arrogance, because it is the denial of arrogance. 
To accept your littleness is arrogant because it means that you believe your evaluation of yourself is truer than God's. 58. Yet if truth is indivisible, your evaluation of yourself must be God's. You did not establish your value and it needs no defense. Nothing can attack it or prevail over it. It does not vary. It merely is. Ask the Holy Spirit what it is and he will tell you. But do not be afraid of his answer for it comes from God. It is an exalted answer because of its source. But the source is true and so is this answer. Listen and do not question what you hear for God does not deceive. He would have you replace the ego's belief in littleness with his own exalted answer to the question of your being so that you can cease to question it and know it for what it is. Thank you, Fran. Um, And Karen. 58. Yet if truth is indivisible, your evaluation of yourself must be God's. You did not establish your value, and it needs no defense. Nothing can attack it or prevail over it. It does not vary. It merely is. Ask the Holy Spirit what it is, and he will tell you. But do not be afraid of his answer, for it comes from God. It is an exalted answer because of its source. But the source is true, and so is its answer. Listen, and do not question what you hear, for God does not deceive. He would have you replace the ego's belief in littleness with his own exalted answer to the question of your being, so that you can cease to question it and know it for what it is. Uh, thank you, Karen. Thank you, everyone who read this morning. Um, I'd like to touch a few ideas in here by way of summary of this section seven: grandeur versus grandiosity. And I need to pause just one second here. Excuse me. Thank you. From that first paragraph, grandeur is of God and only of Him. Therefore, it is in you. Whenever you become aware of it, however dimly, you abandon the ego automatically because in the presence of the grandeur of God, the meaninglessness of the ego becomes perfectly apparent. The grandiosity of the ego is its alternative to the grandeur of God. Which will you choose? Grandiosity is always a cover for despair. It is without hope because it is not real. It is an attempt to counteract your littleness based on the belief that the littleness is real. The absence of grandiosity is competitiveness because it always involves attack. It is a delusional attempt to outdo, but not to undo. 
In 50, the ego does not know the difference between grandeur and grandiosity because it does not know the difference between miracle impulses and ego alien beliefs of its own. Its own profound sense of vulnerability renders it incapable of judgment except in terms of attack. In 51, the ego is immobilized in the presence of God's grandeur because his grandeur establishes your freedom. Even the faintest hint of your reality literally drives the ego from your mind because of complete lack of investment in it. Grandeur is totally without illusions and because it is real, it is compellingly convincing. Yet the conviction of reality will not remain with you unless you do not allow the ego to attack it. In 52, your grandeur is not delusional because you did not make it. You have made grandiosity and are afraid of it because it is a form of attack, but your grandeur is of God who created it out of his love. From your grandeur you can only bless because your grandeur is your abundance. By blessing, you hold it in your mind, protecting it from illusions and keeping yourself in the mind of God. Remember always that you cannot be anywhere except in the mind of God. When you forget this, you will despair and you will attack. In 53, the ego depends solely on your willingness to tolerate it. If you are willing to look upon your grandeur, you cannot despair, and therefore you cannot want the ego. Your grandeur is God's answer to the ego because it is true. Littleness and grandeur cannot coexist, nor is it possible for them to alternate in your awareness. If it's fortress and littleness are denials of each other, because grandeur is truth, and truth does not vacillate, it is always true. You cannot triumph, but you are exalted, and in your exalted state, you see others like you and rejoice with them. In 55, it is easy to distinguish grandeur from grandiosity because love is returned, but pride is not. Pride will not produce miracles and therefore will deprive you of your true witnesses to your reality. Truth is not obscure nor hidden, but its obviousness to you lies in the joy you bring to its witnesses who show it to you. God wants you to behold what he created because it is his joy. What God created cannot be replaced. God is incomplete without you because his grandeur is total and you cannot be missing from it. In fact, you are altogether irreplaceable in the mind of God. You cannot replace the kingdom and you cannot replace yourself. God who knows your value would not have it so and so it is not so. Your value is in God's mind and therefore not in yours alone. To accept yourself as God created you cannot be arrogance because it is the denial of arrogance. To, de to deny, no, to accept your littleness is arrogant because it means that you believe your evaluation of yourself is truer than God's. And finally, in 58, truth is indivisible. Your evaluation of yourself must be God's. 
You cannot establish your value and it needs no defense. It merely is. Nothing can attack it or prevail over it. It does not vary. Ask the Holy Spirit what it is and he will tell you. But do not be afraid of his answer for it comes from God. It is an exalted answer because of its source. Its source is true and so is its answer. Listen and do not question what you hear for God does not deceive. He would have you replace the ego's belief in littleness with his own exalted answer to the question of your being so that you can cease to question it and know it for what it is. Amen. And thank you for letting me oh, read that much of what I just adore. Very generous. Um, let's see. Oh, gee whiz. We have four minutes before the top of the hour. Would we like to pause now? Um, or is there a share? Thank you, Louie. Thanks for that. Oh, sure. I loved it. Well, let's pause for a lesson reflection then. And I think there's one unmuted line. And I will just uh, tap that line for a moment. And we'll go ahead and let Fran lead us in our lesson reflection today to give and receive our one in truth. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of women of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 108. To give and to receive are one in truth. So I shall read some from the lesson, and then we'll do a five-minute practice. To give and to receive are one in truth. Vision depends upon today's idea. The light is in it, for it reconciles all seeming opposites. And what is light? except the resolution, born of peace, of all your conflicts and mistaken thoughts into one concept which is wholly true. And now we are at peace forever, for the dream is over now. True light, which makes true vision possible, is not the light the body's eyes behold. It is a state of mind which has become so unified that darkness cannot be perceived at all. This is the light which shows no opposites and vision, being healed, has power to heal. This is the light that brings your peace of mind to other minds, to share it and be glad that they are one with you and with themselves. This is the light which heals because it brings single perception based upon one frame of reference from which one meaning comes. Here are both giving and receiving seen as different aspects of one thought whose truth does not depend on which is seen as first, nor which appears to be in second place. One thought, completely unified, will serve to unify all thought. To learn that giving and receiving are the same has special usefulness because it can be tried so easily and seen as true. Today, we practice with the special case of giving and receiving. 
To give is to receive. Today we will attempt to offer peace to everyone and see how quickly peace returns to us. Light is tranquility, and in that peace is vision given us, and we can see. So we begin the practice periods with the instruction for today and say, to give and to receive are one in truth. I will receive what I am giving now. Then close your eyes, and for five minutes think of what you would hold out to everyone to have it yours. You might, for instance, say, to everyone I offer quietness. To everyone I offer peace of mind. To everyone I offer gentleness. Say each one slowly, and then pause a while, expecting to receive the gift you gave, and it will come to you in the amount in which you gave it. Think of the exercises for today as quick advances in your learning, made still faster and more sure each time you say, to give and to receive are one in truth. We shall do the five-minute practice now. Lesson 108, to give and to receive are one in truth.
And now we are at peace forever, for the dream is over now. Lesson 108, give and to receive are one in truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thanks, friend. Thank you, friend. The dream is over now. Thank you. Wow. The dream is over now. Wow. (laughs) And we are at peace forever. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Good morning, Karen. I'm going to jump in before I forget. Um, Thank you, Fran. I woke up in the middle of the night and I went to meditate. And I was sitting there and... um, I went into the living room, and in the living room, I have these plants that I inherited when I bought the house, and the plants are as big as me. They're huge. And when I sit in that room, especially when I meditate in that room, I feel like they're beings that are present with me. And um, I had this experience of feeling like they were one with me. They, they became one with me. And in that place, there's no giving and there's no receiving. It's, it's unity. It's presence. And it's beyond like an experience of I'm this and you are that. There's no uh, separate labels and separate forms. And it was just very, very, very real. I can't explain it. But um, all of a sudden I felt I had this experience, awareness of feeling heavy, feeling slow, feeling uh, like a different sense of being in my, 
in my body. I didn't feel like I was my body. And I didn't really, at first, I didn't realize I was feeling what it feels like to be a plant. It didn't occur to me. But there was an awareness that um, if I judged that feeling, I'd lose it. If I interpreted what was happening, I would lose it. And I said, no, I won't judge it or, you know, I just, I'm just accepting it and opening to it. I'm trusting that this is the divine. This is the divine revealing itself in a new way, a different way. Whereas in the past, my ego mind would say, oh, I must be very unevolved because it's so heavy and I'm so, you know, my vibratory rate is so slow and it doesn't feel like light. It feels, it actually felt like earth, <laughs> like being in the dirt is what it really felt like. But in the moment, I wasn't processing it. It was a choice <clears throat> not to process it. Giving and receiving are one in truth. There's just no separation. You know, I'm not in my mind. And it's in the grandeur of the holiness of being in presence without an ego mind talking to me and interfering with my beingness. That's grandeur, being in the light, being in the holiness, being the experience of presence is complete grandeur. But when I feel separate and I slip into the separated state of my ego mind, you know, I'm either feeling little or inferior or I'm feeling, uh, you know, like important and I need to say something. And so I was having an experience on the earlier call of really wanting to share, but I couldn't get in, you know, until I was too upset to even try. <laughs> you know, I felt like, oh, my God, you know, the, people don't take turns, you know, and I was feeling angry. And I was then feeling like the anger is an illusion, just like a fear. If I have the right relationship with this, with this energy, it's not real. I'm trying to practice that with fear when fear arises. Oh, yeah, fear. Well, that's not real. That's just the ego. With anger is a, is a different, it's a different um, skillfulness, skillful means, you know, because anger has been so repressed all my life. I feel like so much of my life force and my energy is blocked in that, you know, the falsehood of anger blocking me. So it's um, hard for me to to just, but in grandeur, you can let go and say, I am in the Holy Spirit and I trust. I am in the oneness of God. And that energy can be, re, uh, can be transformed. And if it needs to come up, it's okay if it comes up. And, you know, thank you to my brothers and sisters who give me the opportunity to uh, reveal what's blocked because it doesn't come up unless something brings it up. Um, so anyway, I'm done. Thank you so much for listening. I really wanted to share that.
I'm complete. Oh, thank you for sharing it. What a beautiful yeah. experience. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Karen. I especially love the plant. <laughs> I really like that um, that we can get in touch with so much that we can get in touch with nature and experience nature in that way. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Robin Marie. Thanks. Thanks, Robin. Hi, this is Yogi Kree. Oh, sorry. This is Yogi Chris just saying hi. Just want to enjoy the giving and the receiving that's going on. Thank you. Oh, morning, Chris. Thank you. Morning, Chris. Morning, this is Sandra. <clears throat> and um, I, I just think that this lesson in the in the the reading is so so connected. Like, what does to give and to receive our one in truth have to do with grandeur? Because I get my grandeur from from God my relationship with my creator directly that's where my grandeur comes from and to give it is to know I have it is to know I've received it from my creator and so for me it's about giving unconditional love because I receive that from my creator my grandeur comes from the way my creator sees me, not the way my mother saw me or my father or sister or brother or anybody. My, my uh, grandeur comes from the way that God sees me as perfect, whole, complete. God does not judge me or, or think anything of me except that God sees me as perfect, healed and whole. And that's where I get the grandeur. And that's it's my responsibility and opportunity to give that to my brothers and sisters, to see that not only in myself, but to see it in my brothers and sisters as well because there's no separation. We're all one Christ body body of Christ here on this planet and as I integrate that and embrace that and extend that body of Christ that compassion and patience and tolerance and 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 forgiveness to myself and to my brothers then I am expressing my grandeur and I'm also giving what I already have what I've received which is the absolute unconditional perfect love of God and for me to know that unconditional perfect love of God I gotta give it I'm complete so that was thank really you, Sandra. simple Sandra thank you yeah thank, thank you Sandra Hi, this is Yogi Chris. Um, really enjoyed what Sandra and Karen shared. I, I love that what was shared about 
just noticing the the hurt, all the different energy, emotions, and the way of feelings that are been there, and as we're coming more aware of of them and the practicing of forgiveness, uh, we give over that for the love, unconditionally love of God. And to be in that giving and receiving state of mind where God is the giver and I'm the receiver, God is the cause and I'm its, his effect. That and, and, and as I feel that and be open to that and receptive, oh, I, I, I want to share it. It's like someone that has a, a fruit tree out in their yard and it bears some wonderful fruit, tasty, juicy. They want to share that with others so they can experience the taste and juice and multiply the good feelings that they have about their fruit tree, uh, which could be very analogous to what I'm sharing, and I could go on about fruit and giving of the fruit of God, but I won't go down that path right now. Um, So uh, a friend of mine, uh, I, I got on the phone, and of course I... I always use that prayer, uh, the prayer, the helper's prayer, and uh, in so many ways. And I sense that as I'm about to call this friend, I want to surrender to what those words mean. How, again, the sensing is 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 a loving sense, a loving feeling. So all honor goes to my higher self, my Holy Spirit, myself. Um, And he gets on the phone and he's talking about some very difficult challenges he's experiencing. He's perceiving it as difficult. There's feelings around that. I'm noticing that. I I get into uh, uh, a stronger connection with my source by... uh, grabbing on to the whole present moment with all I have, which I want to do, not just when I'm talking to someone that's calling for love, but in between that too, as I'm talking right now, grabbing a hold of, of that and listening to him and mirroring that I really listen to him and I want to understand and go into his world that he's experiencing. Of course, I'm not of it as I'm experiencing it. I'm in it, but not of it. And telling him, you know, some very kind words. And, 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 and I could sense that he's, his, through his tonality in his, in his voice, I could tell it's lifting him up. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And, and feeling good about that and multiply my own good feelings of having God's goodness communicate through me and as me. And then he shares some really personal things. And I said, oh, my God, he's really being, he's really disclosing this. He's really wanting to, to be intimate and trust 
and feel safe in that energy that I'm providing him, trust and safety and protection, because I'm being trust, entrusted and protected and safe by that energy that I'm calling upon through prayer. And he's building up, up the scale of connection with his source, and about half hour later, when we're departing from the phone call, I could tell his vibration and his feedback saying, you know, I really appreciate, you know, the time. And I'm calling him because he's a great mentor. And he's saying, you know, all this, but I've, I've given because of others that have given to me it's, and, 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 and my higher power that I'm open and receptive to. So it was a love fest, a joy fest at the end. And it's like, wow, this really feels good. Thank you, God. Isn't this evidence that giving and receiving are one and the same? Isn't this evidence that I'm, I'm benefiting, rewarding, getting rewarded for the gift of my higher power and his giving love that I receive, that I'm giving to others and multiplying it within myself because it's in giving that that gets uh, multiplied. What's, what's, there's a, a, a famous Buddhist saying, and I want to honor it, so I'll paraphrase it. I hope I'm honoring it. They said, it says, when you clear the path for someone else, you reap the flowering of that result within yourself, the flowers and the, all that, just by clearing the path for someone else. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that delightful? And as I say that, I feel full of that joyous wonder, full of that delight of the light. I'm complete. Thank you for allowing me to share that. Oh, that was a delight. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. A wonderful share. Thank you, Chris. Thank Happy you. To Happy to receive it. Thank you, Chris. Hi, this is Robin Marie. I, I was just writing down what a yogi, yogi Chris said about clearing the path for someone, you reap the flowers. And I changed it to when you clear the path for some, someone, you both reap the flowers. Thanks. Mm, thank you, Robin Marie. Beautiful, you. Robin. Amen to that. I'm into that, Robin Marie. Thank you for piggy, piggybacking that in a more <laughs> I, higher vibrational way. <laughs> I know. Well, you were expressing that the whole time you were saying it, so <laughs> thanks. Good morning. It's Harrison. 
thank you for all the illuminating shares. Um, the lesson um, the reading has um, these two uh, important ideas and quotes that illuminate uh, its teaching uh, and the lesson it talks about giving and receiving uh, and uh, learning that giving and receiving are the same have special usefulness because it can be tried so easily and seems is true when the special case giving and receiving uh, has proved it always works in every circumstance where it's tried. The thought behind it can be generalized to other areas of doubt and double vision. And from there, it will extend and finally arrive at the one thought which underlies them all. So when I practice this idea, um, to give and to receive is one and true. When I practice this one idea and I ask Jesus' help to teach me how to forgive. Then I learn to generalize from any particular relationship I have to all relationships. So if I can accept in any one particular relationship that I am, whatever I am giving, I am receiving, that it just comes back to me in the exact form that I gave it. And today's reading talks about grandiosity, which is of the ego, and grandeur. Grandiosity is delusional because it's used to replace my grandeur. Yet what God created cannot be replaced. God is incomplete without 
you and I because his grandeur is total and we can't be missing from it. We're the grand. No matter what we think of ourselves or others think of us, doesn't matter if we uh, understand, of course, or even those who are not studying, of course. We all possess the grandeur of God. Your value is in God's mind and therefore not in yours alone. To accept yourself that God created you cannot be arrogant because it is denial of arrogance. That is the truth of all of us. It doesn't matter what I think of you. It doesn't matter what you think of yourselves. We are all grand. We're all the light of the world. To accept that we're anything else is Lots of people will say that those of us who, who equate ourselves with grandeur and with God and with Jesus, that we're arrogant and that we should see ourselves as less than God, less than Jesus, less than the Pope, less than the preacher. But what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that we possess all of the grandeur of God. No matter what we think about ourselves or each other, we're all grand in the eyes of God. And if I can just hold on to that idea, <laughs> that thought, that I am irreplaceable in the mind of God. That I can't replace God and I can't replace myself. I am as God created me. That's such a fundamental idea. 
And it's not just words. My challenge is truly embracing that idea. I am as God created me. I'm one with God and all of his creation. That's where the grandeur comes from. I'm complete. That's beautiful, Harrison. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you very, very, very much, Harrison. I just wanted to say, Harrison, when you read or when you share, the Holy Spirit is so strong. The blessing is so strong. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Karen. I share that sentiment. I share in the sentiment, too. What a nice thing to share. Thank you all for it's me I'm talking to. <laughs> I'm completely. Is that how that works? Thanks, Harrison. Just a quick thought, and I neglected to say there's a line in the lesson that says it is a state of mind that has become so unified that darkness cannot be perceived at all. And thus, what is the same is seen as one, while what is not the same remains unnoticed, for it is not there. That is a very powerful statement of our reality of the state of mind that 
I'm trying to achieve. That's my words. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. That was a stellar observation. I agree. Thank you, Harrison. I have known in bits and pieces the uh, state of mind where I'm not noticing the uh, fear-based ego, but my reality at this most of my time is I do notice a voice that is not in my best interest, to say the least. Uh, but at least I'm noticing it and not being it uh, complete. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Thank you Steve. Yeah. I I call that progress. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I have the same experience. I I feel like I become aware that the ego is right there doing its thing, and I don't want it, but it's still plaguing me. I'm complete. Well, I can turn off the TV set and the news a lot more easily than the broadcasting from my... Mm -hmm erroneous teaching and learning that has yeah. become internalized. But I'm turning it off, too. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. And, and thank you for, um, for pointing. What we're pointing at is what he refers to as the level of shift. Um, something uh, really popped out at me this morning that I thought might be helpful as regards this level of shift. It's in paragraph 50. And he explains in that paragraph the difference between grandeur and grandiosity and how the ego does not know the difference between miracle impulses and ego alien beliefs of its own. And maybe you recall uh, back, I think it might have been in chapter 2, where he discussed, um, he discussed the split in the mind and he described it uh, in psychological terms that are pretty under understandable. He said, your miracle impulses, miracle impulses, that is the thoughts that um, the thoughts that lead to peace okay, are below the subconscious. Below the sub subconscious, those feelings, uh, impulses that we get to join with or to share, thoughts that we have in common, um, 
that bring us happiness and that we'd like to be able to share are below the level of the subconscious. Then he said that consciousness was the first split that man introduced into his own mind. That's your common, everyday, ordinary awareness. Below that are miracle impulses. Below, above that is the supraconscious, where um, our ego, ego alien beliefs are stored. The ego doesn't have access to the superconscious material, the material that represents those thoughts we think with God. So here we have a split mind, split between the superconscious or ego alien beliefs inaccessible to ordinary consciousness and miracle impulses likewise inaccessible to ordinary consciousness these are what he refers to as the level splits he also says in this reading that these shifts that we experience in our consciousness are attributable to the split in the mind sometimes I'm really peaceful and calm aware of the thoughts I think with God sometimes my experience is um, really upset and uh, not aware of anything and I can't access the material I think with God nor can I access my miracle impulses this is the the way he refers to the split in the mind or level splits this is why um, we need correction all error all error is in the mind and is a consequence of the splits that we introduced into the mind that explains why um, that explains a lot of things but mostly what I wanted to talk about is how it explains the shift uh, that we experience in our uh, everyday experience of the world then he wants us to know that miracles are thoughts remember that from miracle um, principles miracles are thoughts and Chris you described it really beautifully when you talked about your experience uh, with your friend miracles are thoughts miracle is an act of thought by which two minds experience their oneness and become glad now we're getting into the territory excuse me I have to I have to take something away from my dog he's got this new habit of play where he barks okay so miracles are thoughts and a miracle is an act of thought by which two minds experience their oneness and become glad we've moved all the way out of that shifting level of experience to a unified mind where no darkness can be perceived at all that's how he describes the acceptance of the atonement way back in chapter 3 he said no one can fail who commends his spirit into the hands of his father by commending our spirit into into the hands of our father level splits vanish the mind is awake becomes aware of the soul and the soul in its unity with its creator acceptance of the atonement is the healing of the split in my mind and when the 
when the mind is healed, it knows only light. <laughs> and the light of its radiance shines out all around it, revealing the majesty of creation. The way I can access that kind of thinking is through today's lesson. Giving and receiving are one in truth. It works with all the, um, you know, God doesn't have attributes. But when we think of God, he wants us to learn to think of God in the same way that we think of ourselves. Think of ourselves in the same way we think of God. I can access God's thinking by sharing God's thoughts. God's thoughts of gentleness, of peace. God does not forgive because he never condemned, but forgiveness is a way I can experience giving and receiving one or truth. In fact, I looked at the table of contents of the lessons today, trying to um, establish for my mind the importance of recognizing giving and receiving or one in truth. And you know what I discovered? Here's, here's just a few. Here's just a few lessons that illustrate the point. It can be but myself I crucify. It can be but my gratitude I earn. Only my condemnation injures me. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. Forgiveness offers everything I want. All I give is given to myself. Let me perceive forgiveness as it is. If I defend myself, I am attacked. When I am healed, I am not healed alone. All things are echoes of the voice for God. Let me learn to give as I have received. I give the miracles I have received. Give me your blessing, Holy Son of God. Let my mind not deny the thought of God. By grace I live, by grace I am released. I call upon God's name and on my own. I bless the world because I bless myself. All of those lessons and more are examples of giving and receiving our one in truth and how miracles are thoughts. It's why we, um, it can be said we create our experience by our thoughts. And by my thoughts, I'm released from ego experience because my mind is healed of its level split. I can now think the thoughts I think with God and respond to those thoughts and extend those thoughts into my experience of the world. Uh, it's a key lesson. It's a key lesson. And in conjunction with the reading today, the reading today is the mechanism for me to recognize that my mind is healed when I accept atonement for myself. My level splits vanish, and now I have access to the thoughts I think with God. Um, and the thoughts I think with God um, are the are the miracle impulses that um, alter my experience of the world. Very very key lesson, and uh, Harrison, I'm so glad that you pointed out uh, how giving and receiving leads us, learning that they're one leads us to the realization that there is no level split. 
and the mind can be unified with the capital T thought that is always extending from the mind of source and is available to all by blessing that's the final thing I wanted to say blessing is my way um, of keeping this always in my mind um, and blessing is a beautiful thing the reason I love the word blessing so much is because he knows we understand that word he gives us lots of definitions of different words different different definitions of words that we've commonly misunderstood all throughout this work he helps us understand what he means when he says different words to us from what our understanding was but the word bless he knows we know that word he knows we need no interpretation of that word he knows that to bless is natural it flows out of uh, abundance when the mind is healed and um, he doesn't need to tell us what it is because he knows what we that we know it it's inherent in our being and um, and when I bless uh, I'm instantly aware of how blessed I am maybe that's um, maybe that's the goal of this work I'm complete Lori I wondered if you could just say a few more words about miracle impulses a little more um, clarity about what that means I mean if it's below our conscious mind I understand super conscious is the Holy Spirit that part of our mind um, mm-hmm. anyway thank you. Um, I th- the way I understand miracle impulses is I have a natural tendency to join I have a natural tendency to bless I have a natural tendency to share I have a natural tendency to be compassionate but fear uh, overlays that so that it's not always accessible to me um, all subconscious material is material rendered out of consciousness because I was afraid of it because I was afraid of anger I was afraid just afraid and all that material you know um, becomes subconscious to me because I develop defenses against my fear and all of my defenses are in place in order to protect me from those things I fear I don't even know what they are but they're in my subconscious layer below that subconscious layer of fear is my natural tendency to join and share and bless care for to be compassionate to um, to join with you know without fear is that joining with is that joining is that joining with the super conscious joining with my brother who shares reality with me joining with my capital S self um, okay. capital S self you mentioned super uh, that's you, the you material and that's the place where the Holy Spirit keeps all my knowledge safe for me that I might do my will 
when mind is healed, the only thing that really happens, the only thing that happens at all is that my subconscious material is released and I can experience and um, manifest my reality and express my reality in a way that's authentic, genuine, and a true representation of the capitalist self we share. Mine is healed when those levels disappear and I have access. I have access to my natural tendency to bless as well as my, no, my knowledge that everything is one with me and held safely in the mind of God. The means for that is accepting atonement for myself. And accepting atonement for myself, he says, is another definition of abundance. I have come that you may have life and have life abundantly. The resurrection is what establishes the fact that there is no death, that the sonship is one, that nothing that God created has ever changed or been altered, that love is uh, the essence of everything because everything is contained in the mind of God. And the only thing that keeps me aware, unaware of that is my unconscious fear and all the unconscious material that I've defended myself against out of fear. But the healing of my mind, um, you know, remember how he says all conflict must be intramental before it's intermental, intrapersonal before it's interpersonal. When my mind is healed, all of that conflict vanishes because the level splits are healed. Um, and I'm able to naturally uh, respond no longer reactive but I'm able to naturally respond um, to my thoughts the thoughts I think with God and it turns out um, he explains it really well in paragraph 55 when he says love is returned but pride is not um, Miracles give evidence of the fact that truth is shared, that reality is one, that um, my brother is myself. That only my condemnation injures me. That only forgiveness sets me free. All of these manifestations of giving and receiving are one are evidence of a healed mind and give evidence of the one mind that we all share. Um, not just to my mind, but to my brother's mind. Pride cannot be shared. Uh, it's the private world, you know, where belief in littleness and despair and um, split mind rules everything. It has no witnesses because it's a private world. But when joy is my reality, um, have you ever noticed that joy is shared? Um, it becomes really difficult to stay unhappy in the presence of an authentic, joyful person. <laughs> you know, you have to work at it. Uh, joy is shared. 
Uh, love is shared. All the attributes of God are shared. This is the way perception is healed and the mind returns to knowledge. And I guess, um, I, I really hope that's helpful. Uh, you know, the other thing I, I noticed about this reading is, remember how he talks about trust? And um, talks about it in stages of development as we learn to sort the valuable from the valueless. Um, consider that in relation to shifting levels of awareness, vacillating between peace and conflict, peace and conflict. Peace grows in magnitude in, along the same lines that trust develops. When I learn to sort the valuable from the valueless and seek only the valuable, seek only those things that I can give away and in giving them away, they return to me at the same time. You know, um, that's why miracles, thoughts of miracles, uh, collapse time. Gosh, there's so much to talk about with this, and I, I've occupied too much time. So, um, those are just a few things that came to me this morning. I'm complete. That was, that was really amazingly helpful about um, the natural state being the miracle impulses. That was perfect in terms of um, explaining it and getting clarity for me by what you said. But it leaves me with one more question, which is, okay, the subconscious mind is our blocks. It's all the ego illusions and the fear-based thoughts and the defenses which could... Um, could manifest as anger, could manifest as attack and protection and all of that. Um, when that's being purified, how does it look? I mean, I understand that we try and try and try to keep ourselves in alignment with the, with the true self and the Holy Spirit and the loving thoughts and the blessing and generating peace and all of those things. But sometimes those energies are very, um, they're very strong. And it seems as though that if I just try to pretend that, you know, I'm blessing it, it's, it's really not working. It's not clearing it. It's just another way of suppressing it to try to, like you said, thought band-aid or you know, I know in the Course of Love it says we should be authentic with those negative emotions but not empower them. I wondered if there's anything you can say about clearing that level. Um, because as I was saying earlier, I felt it this morning and I didn't want to push it down and suppress it and, and I, didn't, I just wanted to offer it to the Holy Spirit and I could call it an illusion. I'm having an illusion of anger and reaction. It's an illusion and I don't want it, but it's definitely here in the present moment. And the reason I just want to say the reason that's so important is because I've been feeling like I have no energy to function, you know, and I don't want to complain or give any power to this 
lethargic place that I feel like I'm in, but it's like there's no creativity and there's no engaging in life, and I feel like my energy is just gone. Um, and I, I'm wondering if there's energy just life force trapped in the negative that's that's not being released and expressed, so therefore there's less energy to be, you know, productive or engaged. I'm complete, and I'm sorry I'm talking so much. <laughs> oh, boy, life's problems, huh? Um, let's talk more about it on the after call, if that's okay. Um, okay. I don't know that okay. I have an answer other than other than every lesson um, gives more of that. But um, are there any I'd like shares? That. Yeah, I'd like to address that. This is Sandra. Very quickly. Go ahead. <laughs> it comes off in layers for me. So it's not a one-time deal. It's layers. And, and what happens in between the layers is a whole bunch of faith and trust coming from me and open-mindedness. So faith, trust, and open-mindedness. And knowing that it comes off in layers that, you know, I think I got it all, you know, like I feel really connected and on top of the world and then boom, here I am again. But that's okay because it, because every time one of my layers comes off, I'm taking thousands with me because I don't judge myself, I don't condemn myself, and I am self-forgiving when I fall down. And so those, that's how it looks and that's how it feels for me. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Trouble with the mute button here. Thank you, Sandra. You know, I think um, in honor of today's lesson. The best close of all is probably straight out of the lesson. To give and receive are one in truth. Vision depends upon today's idea. The light is in it, for it reconciles all seeming opposites. And what is light except the resolution born of peace of all your conflicts and mistaken thoughts into one concept, which is wholly true. Even that one will disappear because the capital thought behind it will appear instead to take its place. And now we are at peace forever, for the dream is over now. True light, which makes true vision possible, is not the light the body's eyes behold. It is a state of mind which has become so unified that darkness cannot be perceived at all. Thus, what is the same is seen as one, while what is not the same remains unnoticed, for it is not there. This is the light which shows no opposites, and vision, being healed, has power to heal. This is the light that brings your mind, peace of mind, to other minds, to share it and be glad that they are one with you and with themselves. This is the light which heals. 
because it brings single perception based on one frame of reference from which all meaning comes. When Jesus taught on earth, he said, If thine eye be single, then thy body shall be filled with light. Father, tell me what giving and receiving is. Amen. Thank you all. This was just a very lovely call. I enjoyed every bit of it. Thank you so much. And after we end the recording, the call continues.